If you desire to be more like the Lord and be more under the control of the Holy Spirit, well, again, that is fantastic because that is the study that we're going to be looking at this morning. And so this passage, beginning in verse 16, and I have two points for you this morning. Point number one is this. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Paul says, I say then, verse 16, Galatians 5, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Reading that right now, verse 16, I'm like, yes, that's what I want right there. I want that. As a follower of Jesus, I want to walk in the Spirit so that I'm not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. That's what I need. I mean, how many of us as Christians today can say that they do not want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm assuming that's all of us. We're tired of it. Because you know as a follower of Jesus, the flesh is ugly. And that sinful nature dies hard. And it's one of those things that when we give in to sin and give in to the flesh, it never leaves us feeling better afterwards. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, quite frankly, it's exhausting when you sin. It just wears you out. It's starving you spiritually. It's making you enslaved. It's enslaving your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. And it will even lead you so far to the point where you start believing the lies of Satan. You rationalize your sin. You try to explain it away as if you've been given a license to do such things and you're justified in them. If we're walking in the Spirit as believers, we will not be, listen to this, carrying out the commands of our sinful nature. Because you're going to receive commands from someone or something. And the lust of the flesh being fulfilled means that you carry out the desires all the way to the realm of action. Because it starts with a thought, it starts with an emotion, and then sin would have you carry that out into action. That lust that begins in our hearts. As a Christian, that should startle us because it's actually, if we start to lust for something, we're like, I want this, I know that it's wrong, but I desire it, I'm having these thoughts, it should startle us because what that is indeed doing is showing us an area in our lives that needs to change. It's actually showing you and me that there is a weakness there, and that's why it's enticing. Because if you were strong in that area, Satan wouldn't be trying to lure you out in the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, but rather it's showing you an area of your life that needs to change, whether it's uh, anger or whether it's impure thoughts or whatever it may be. It's actually allowing you to discover something that's inside you that needs to be put to death. But sin and the lust of the flesh... They demand to be carried out. And what we have seen in Christians' lives, sad but true, is that the more you give in to the lust of the flesh and to sinful desires, the more powerful they become in your life. The flesh commands you to give in to it, and it will not be satisfied until you do. That's why you feel that battle. That's why you feel that agitation. That's why you feel like there's something wrestling back and forth. Because why won't this thing just leave me alone? 
whatever it might be. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something that you know is sinful, but it wants you to give into it. And then when you don't give into it, it doesn't like it. The flesh cries out. Why aren't you listening to me? But the Bible tells us, walk in the Spirit and you will not carry out the commands of the flesh. You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That word in verse 16 for walk in the Greek language is a word that's used to describe just the the normal walk of life. It's the normal word for walking. And it's pictured here as the walk of life. See, when you place your faith in Jesus, you were given spiritual life. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3 of Ephesians 2 says, among whom also we all once, all of us, before Christ, once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. You and I, before Jesus, used to live according to the lust of the flesh. We all did that before faith in Jesus. We were dead in our sins. We walked the worldly way of life. We were disobedient to God. And Satan, which the Bible in Ephesians describes as the prince of the power of the air, he worked through our disobedience to God. We lived according to the lusts of the flesh. We carried out the commands of the flesh, fulfilling its desires. And we were children of wrath. But we were made alive. And now that we have the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit in your life, there is this battle that is raging on every day of our existence here on this earth. It doesn't go away. The flesh versus the spirit. The flesh is the worst part of who we are, our sinful nature. The spirit is the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 17 back in Galatians 5, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So, the works of the flesh in our lives, they withstand, they withstand the walk in the spirit. You want to walk in the spirit? Well, the flesh is going to come against you. And then, If you're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit withstands the works of the flesh. Now, we learn at a very young age, don't we, how not doing what we want to do can be very difficult. Since we were one and a half, two years old, we started to realize, and even before that, because we would even as babies cry for things that we didn't like. Or if you didn't do what I wanted you to do, I would cry. And we still have adults like that today. But the point being is that we, we have a hard time when I don't get to do what I want to do. You know, not doing the things that we wish here, as it is referenced in verse 17, it can be a very hard thing to deal with unless it is not doing something wrong that you feel like doing. Then that's okay, isn't it? 
Well, if I'm not getting to do something that I want to do, and that want to do is something that is a wrong thing to do, then I guess that's a good thing if I'm being hindered or withstood against doing something that is against God. On one hand, you may wish to do something in the Spirit and say, hey, this is right before the Lord. I'm going to pray and read my Bible or whatever it may be. But the flesh fights against that. If you want to get in touch with people you haven't talked to for years, all you have to do is start praying, and they will contact you. You may want to do something in the flesh, but the Spirit fights against that because it feels good to give into the flesh. Dot, dot, dot. For a moment. You take delight in it. You find pleasure in the lust of the flesh, but that way leads to death. For the Christian, that pleasure is very short-lived and it's usually accompanied with a severe amount of guilt and condemnation. If you take delight, however, in doing things that please the Lord, the flesh is going to fight against that. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2. He said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Again, the psalmist says in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Now, I think we've all seen, as followers of Jesus, how the flesh takes us away from following after the things of the Lord. That check in your spirit, you know, that's kind of a Christianese phrase for the Holy Spirit convicting you or warning you that something is not right or that's against God's word, that's against God's plan. And you, you feel that, but then we override it. We've all seen in our own lives how the flesh giving into sin turns us away from walking in the Spirit. And it can be a blatant act of disobedience or even just a slight compromise. Ah, this doesn't seem right. I mean, it's not a major, but it just doesn't seem right. And if you've allowed the flesh to withstand the work of the Spirit in your life, I have to tell you this today. If you've allowed sin to come in and to hold back the work of the Holy Spirit in your life today, then you need to understand this very simple truth. There is forgiveness for you. There's forgiveness there. That if you confess your sin and you say, Lord, I have allowed these things into my life and I can see how it's hindering my relationship with you, the Lord says that if you confess that to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that is because of God's grace to you which Paul has even been hammering home in this letter to the Galatians. And that leads us to verse 18. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Remember, if you're seeking to earn your way and work your way to heaven, then you're in a bad spot because you are not in the place where God's grace is available to you. Paul wrote about this in Romans eleven six and said, and if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't outwork your sinful nature, your sinful actions. 
But what Paul is saying here in verse 18, Galatians 5, is is this, that if you are led by the Spirit, then you will find that you are not under the condemnation of the law. And this circles back around to the overarching theme of this letter. Those that desire to be under the law and work their way to heaven are not given the blessing of receiving forgiveness through God's grace. Because you are not earning your way and trying to work your way, but rather you have faith, faith grants you access to be forgiven of your sin. And that's how we can say with Paul in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, the flesh can mean your sinful nature, but we also have already established that if you're not working in the spirit, you are working in the flesh. And if you are not in, in faith, you are in sin. And so if you are walking in the spirit, you are not working in the flesh. And working in the flesh can mean carrying out sinful actions. And it can also mean I'm a good person trying to earn my way to heaven through my own self-righteousness. See, if you're not under the covering of Jesus... If you're not under the covering of Jesus, then you are not free from the condemnation associated with sin. If you're under the law, you better watch out. Now, Paul here in verses 19 through 21 is going to lay out with some specificity the lust of the flesh being carried out in action. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, Lewdness, idolatry, verse 20, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, Just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, upon reading this list, I think we can discard the misconception that God views sin in categories of large sin and small sin. Uh, It's just a little sin. Well, that's a major sin. Because in here you have something like uh, contentions. And then you have murders. I mean... You might say murders is big, dissensions, um, that's small. God does not separate or differentiate between small and large sins because sin is sin. Now, these verses, too, are a great way of explaining to someone who is wondering whether or not their life was controlled by the Holy Spirit or the flesh. Are these things coming out of your life? Paul lays out, and obviously this is not an exhaustive list, but this is a very, you know, uh, great place to start. Am I controlled by the spirit of the flesh? Are any of these things known to be regulars in my life? Now, some of these things that are obvious works of the flesh to us are, and I'm going to go down just this list in an overview type of way, but the first category is sexual sin. So adultery or fornication. So adultery, you know what that is. Fornication, sex outside of marriage, before marriage, uncleanness, and lewdness. Really, these sexual sins are anything that causes us to be impure sexually before the Lord. Uh, This category can also cover impure speech and sexual innuendo. The second group here we see are religious sins, which are idolatry and sorcery. 
So idolatry, anything that comes before your relationship with God is considered idolatry. Sorcery, interestingly enough, was very much associated with pagan worship where they would become inebriated. They would become stoned, if you will, in order to worship their God or to open themselves up to spiritual channels. And it usually has gone hand in hand with witchcraft over the centuries. Drug use. The third category are relational sins, which are hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, and murders. These are interpersonal relational sins. So sexual sin, though it can involve other people, often is a private sin, as is religious sin. Meaning that more often than not, those sins are hidden And they eventually reveal themselves. Because it may be just you. It may be just you and your boyfriend that know about it. Or you might realize that it's me and my boyfriend and God. It just may be you and your internet browser. That history that knows about it, but God does too. But see, the relational sin is something that is very public and it causes a lot of problems. These relational sins are usually the things that are the most flamboyant. They are the most out in front public kind of sins that can affect the church. Hatred or even strongly not liking someone can completely skew your view in the Holy Spirit. It really muddies your spiritual lens on life. Now, contentions here is not a quality of the person walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. It means that you have an argumentative spirit. You cannot be working in the argumentative spirit and walking in the Holy Spirit at the same time. This is a list of somebody that is in the flesh. Next, we see jealousies, outbursts of wrath, you know, being angry, losing your temper. These are all signs that we're operating in our flesh and not walking in the Spirit. If you have an anger issue, the Bible tells us the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Somebody that is controlled by these things is under the control of the flesh. If that's an area in your life as a Christian that is constantly being revealed, then that means that is a weakness that the flesh is operating in. It's an area of your life that Satan has been given an open door to use. And that area needs to be rooted out of your life. Jealousies. This is a huge thing. You can be jealous of someone's friendship. You can be jealous of someone's possessions or position or power or or hairstyle. You know, watch out. Selfish ambition really is what's in it for me. How do I achieve what I want to achieve in this situation? That's not the mind of Christ. And that's not walking in the Spirit. Selfish motivation. Selfish ambition. Next we see dissensions. And that means divisions. And division in the body of Christ is directly linked to the work of the flesh. That's dissensions in the body of Christ. Dissension, interestingly enough, and this is a very practical thing too, I think, just for the church generally. Dissension usually stems from communication. From communication. Otherwise known as gossiping. Gossip. 
Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 16.28 from the New Living Translation. Listen to this. I find this absolutely remarkable. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. That's the Bible. And if it's determined that we are the epicenter of division or if we are dividing ourselves from other other believers and attempting to rally other people to our side and in so doing causing division, we are operating in the flesh. That's actually a work of the flesh. It is the work of the flesh because the Holy Spirit does not lead the body of Christ to be divided. The Holy Spirit does not lead believers to dissensions because dissension is a work of the flesh, not a fruit of walking in the Spirit. Next, we see heresies. And I love this guy, David Guzik, Pastor David Guzik, penned this, and I quote, on this, on this passage, and I quote, We think today of heresies in terms of wrong ideas and teachings. But the emphasis in the word is actually the wrongful dividing over opinions. Heresies can be thought of as hardened dissensions. There is all the difference in the world between believing that we are right and believing that everyone is wrong. End of quote. So opinions, not facts in Scripture that usually begin with the phrase, you know, I don't really feel. That is a very, very dangerous place to start dividing. I don't feel. No, what does the Bible say? Because if we're causing division in the body of Christ over our opinions, that is sin. Then you see envy and murders. Envy, wanting something that someone else has, murdering killing people. Jesus even said, if you hate somebody in your heart enough to kill them, you're guilty of murder. And so that's an issue of our heart as well. The next category we see are social sins, sins that we commit in the company of others, which are drunkenness and revelries, you know, unbridled partying or being under the control of anything other than the Holy Spirit. I think this is a very important thing for us in the church in 2018, because they're going to legalize everything one day. And so it used to be, hey, it's just against the law, obey the laws of the land. And so we look at things at the state level. Okay, well, the state says that this is illegal, so that means that we need to live by the laws of the land. But then the state may legalize it, and then we would go up the food chain to the federal level. Well, on the federal level, it's still illegal, and you can still be arrested for this in certain parts of it. So, you know, we're going to have to hold on to obeying the laws of the land. But then what if the federal government legalizes a certain sin? Does that mean, oh, hey, I'm just obeying the laws of the land and it's okay? No, we have the authority of the Scriptures. And the Bible very specifically tells us, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then in numerous passages in the Bible, it talks about being sober-minded. And it contrasts being sober-minded with being in the flesh. And so it doesn't matter if it's legalized, because quite frankly, you can find any place in the world where sin is legalized. Does that mean that you're obeying the laws of the land? No, we have a higher authority, and that's the power and authority of God's Word. So now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. I mean, honestly, it's 
depressing just reading that twice. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are serious issues. So that's why we need to look to our own personal relationship with the Lord and say, Lord, where are these things in my life? And how do I gain victory over them? Point number two, we go from walk in the Spirit to the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 22, it says, but. And I have to tell you how happy I am here that in verse 22, there is that conjunction, B-U-T. For it's the word that separates two opposites, the work of the flesh from the walk in the Spirit. It also, as dismal as it was reading those things, it signifies the existence of an alternative to the works of the flesh found in verses 19, 20, and 21. There is actually an alternate way of living your life from being controlled by the works of the flesh. So by differentiating the flesh from the spirit, we can observe a tangible change in nature from being dead in sins to being alive in Christ. This is a good thing. A change in character. A change from the things that come from a defiled person that continue to defile that person to being born again to a life of purity. And it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. Love, right there is the first word mentioned after the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love in action looks like all the other fruits that we see here. Joy. Joy. On a personal note, I at times struggle with retaining joy. And that's something that's been difficult for me. I struggle with it when I deal with difficulties or problems, or things that are hurtful. And I've recognized in my own life that I need to not allow external things rob me of the joy that is found in the Lord. So a supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in your life is retaining the joy of the Lord that surpasses our circumstances. It can even abide with us and remain even when we're going through trials and difficulty. Case in point, the letter to the Philippians, Paul wrote this joyful letter when he was imprisoned. He mentions his joy in the Lord often. And he wrote it from a dark and horrible place in his life where he was beaten and put in jail. And yet he sang songs of praise and rejoiced in the Lord. And this is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit working in the believer's life. That's a fruit of the Spirit, joy. Next we see peace. Number one, for the man or woman that is filled with the Holy Spirit, because of your faith in Jesus, you are at peace with God. You are no longer striving against God and the Holy Spirit is no longer striving you know, to convict you and draw you to Him. You have peace with the Lord and you have peace with others. And if I'm walking in the Spirit, I will be at peace with my God and I will not be stirring up strife with my brothers and sisters in Christ. There is peace there. Where there is no peace, there is no fruit of the Spirit. 
Next, we see long-suffering. Long-suffering means you're patient with people. Now, I don't need to see a show of hands, but how many of you can just reflect on how difficult it can be being long-suffering or patient? Often, I have found over my life that the Lord will bring individuals across my path that help me be more like Jesus. And He does the same thing for you too. Where the Lord will allow certain situations in our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus, so that we might overcome a work of the flesh by the fruit of the Spirit. Where we might gain victory in that area. So long-suffering. We're patient with people and we're patient in unpleasant circumstances. It says another fruit of the Holy Spirit is kindness and goodness towards others. We're kind to people and we're good to people. We think the best of them. Next, we see faithfulness. We have the ability to serve God continually through our ups and our downs through the power of the Holy Spirit. We remain faithful to the Lord because of his faithfulness to us. We remain faithful to our spouse because of the Lord's faithfulness to us. That's the Holy Spirit working in us. That's why I'm so happy and reassured that my wife loves Jesus way more than she loves me. Because she may think, I don't know about this guy, but I know she loves the Lord. And she promised the Lord, stay with me. And if she tries to leave me, I'm going with her. So I don't know where else she can go. But we have the ability to serve God continually through the ups and through the downs, through the power of his spirit. Faithfulness is a good thing. Next we see is gentleness. Now this isn't speaking of being timid or passive. This word has the idea of being teachable and not demanding your rights. I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. No, being somebody that is filled with the Holy Spirit means that you're teachable. In the sports world, they say coachable. You can be instructed and not feel like your pride is being damaged. You're not demanding your own rights. Listen to what C.H. Spurgeon wrote, and I quote, Gentleness is the kind of spirit that does not demand its proper respect. What is the proper respect which is due to poor creatures like ourselves? I believe that if any one of us did get our proper respect, we should not like it long. End of quote. Self-control is next there in the fruits of the Spirit. The self-control that the world knows is almost for, always for selfish reasons. It knows self-discipline and denial. You know, there is self-discipline and denial that someone will go through for themselves. But the self-control of the Spirit will also work on behalf of others. Man, I really feel like giving that person a piece of my mind right now. My self-control, because I'm fueled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is concerned for the other person. Against such, there is no law. Now, a lot of times people say that Christianity is a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts, and I've heard it before, and I'm sure you have. But actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. A Christian who is walking in the Spirit is under no rules or regulations. What? What do you mean? 
if I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I am governed by the Holy Spirit, then I will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in so doing, I am pleasing to the Lord. I want that. I want to be loving. I want to be kind and gentle. And I want to be faithful. I want to have self-control. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I want to be a good example to those around me. In verse 24, it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And this is one of those passages where we see that picture of being crucified with Christ. Paul said, My old man, my flesh, my sin, that is all those works of the flesh and more, has been crucified with Christ. In this life which I now live in the body, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Romans 8, 5 through 6, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And this is when it gets interesting right here. To really avoid the work of the flesh in your life as a Christian begins with denying the thinking of the flesh. If I don't want to work in the flesh, then that starts with my thinking. Because we all have a battle going on whenever we are faced with temptation. We battle with our mind. We battle with our behaviors. Charles Stanley, that southern pastor, said this, If we lose the battle of the mind, we will always lose the battle of our behaviors. It's the mind. I want to walk in the Spirit. I don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. How does that start? Right here in my mind. In Colossians 3, 2, it says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. So we need to have a mindset that is godly. First thing we should do when we wake up in the morning, set our minds on the things above. Talk to God. Read the word. Even if it's just one scripture you can be thinking of and meditating on throughout the day. Because the things that we put into our minds are the things that we think about in the mindset that we have. If we starve to death the things that our flesh wants us to think about, we're not putting garbage in and having to wrestle with garbage coming out, we'll win the battle in our minds and our behavior will follow suit. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the Lord, through his word and the power of his Holy Spirit, renews our mind. We start to have the mind of Christ. We start to bear fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit will always conquer the work of the flesh because work are works and fruit is fruit. And fruit is not achieved by working, but is birthed by abiding in Christ. You can try to earn it all you want, but it doesn't come from that. It comes from abiding in Jesus. See, the fruit is a natural byproduct if the branch stays connected to the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you connect yourself to Jesus, you will bear good fruit. 
And it says in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, this is the second time we've seen verse, or excuse me, the word walk in two separate verses in Galatians 5. The word for the for the word, the Greek word for the word walk in verse 25 is actually different from the word we read in verse 16, and I find that fascinating. Because the word in the Greek language for walk in verse 25, which is different from the walk of life in verse 16, actually means to walk in line with or to be in line with. And so what Paul is saying here is that the Holy Spirit has given you life, and so now you're walking in this life. So if you're walking in this life, now let him lead your life. Let him lead it. For each of us personally, we will let something lead us in this life. And that will either be the lust of the flesh or the Holy Spirit. And so he's given us life. Now let him lead you because your flesh wants to jerk you in this direction. He wants to pull you over here. Lose your temper. Give in. Carry out the commands of the worst part of who you are. No, I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And yes, that is hard. That can be difficult. But the Lord gives us the strength to do it. And lastly, in verse 26, he says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. The person, and these are just the closing remarks on this passage, the person that is alive by the Spirit, we've been made alive, though we were dead, we're made alive, and now is living according to the Holy Spirit, is safely guarded against being conceited. Because if you realize I have been made alive by Christ through faith in him, though I was dead in sins, had nothing to do with me, and really it has nothing to do with my efforts that are allowing me to have victory over the flesh, where is room for conceit? By grace we've been saved, we've been changed, and we have the fruit of the Spirit produced in our lives. Conceit provokes. Envy doesn't edify. And in closing, I'd just like to share this last quote from an early church father by the name of Augustine or Augustine. He's recorded praying this, Lord, deliver me from that evil man, myself. End of quote. And I think we pray that same prayer, Lord, deliver me from that evil person. Who's me? So Paul says, The Bible instructs us, walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will not carry out the commands of your flesh saying, do this, do that. Uh Uh-uh, no way, that's not my master. I'm not under the control of sin. I've been set free. I'm under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I will make that choice that is honoring to the Lord as the Holy Spirit leads me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you, Lord, for your people. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would continue to have your hand upon this place. We pray that you would continue, Lord, to work through the teaching of your word. May it bring counseling. May it bring conviction. May it bring a contradiction to any unbiblical worldviews or things that are lies of the enemy. May it expose those things. May it withstand the works of the flesh. And Father, I pray in the privacy of our own hearts who we are, that nobody knows, just you and us. Lord, I pray that you would give us victory. 
In the public things, Lord, we ask that we would walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Lord, if we have had your Holy Spirit reveal certain things to us today that we now see are in the category of a work of the flesh, then Lord, may we confess those things to you and find forgiveness and help in our time of need. And so, Lord, thank you that forgiveness is available, that your grace is enough, and it's completely sufficient to cover a multitude of sins. And so, Lord, we thank you and we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.